The No Quarter Given podcast is brought to you by BuckPower.com, Titan Home Lending, TicketSmarter.com, and our Florida realtor, Drew Felios. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, welcome in, Buck fans, to the No Quarter Given podcast, Thanksgiving week all over the country so happy thanksgiving to everybody as we uh enter into the holiday season i'm your host jason along with peter blake what's going on buddy how you doing buccaneer loss and then like that bucks lose to the 49ers 27 to 14 uh fall to four and six kind of stay one game back in the loss column in the uh, nfc south a uh, interesting, goofy kind of game to watch. I mean, you never thought the Bucks could win the game, but the Bucks were in the game most of the game, especially mid-fourth quarter on. They really had some opportunities to make it a very interesting last five or six minutes, but the Bucks were not able to capitalize down the stretch, so they fall to four and six. And before we get to everything, I want to make sure everybody knows uh, No Quarter Given Podcast brought to you by BuckPower.com. Uh, podcast network and our buddy Paul Stewart, who I've gotten confirmation has arrived back in England after his 10 day, 10 day trip, which we got to see uh, Mr. Stewart. So your thoughts, Peter Blake. Oh man, it was fun times. Get a a chance to see him in the press box, got a chance to go to the lightning game, did a post game show with them on the field. I mean, it's a lot of great times, a lot of great stories and stuff like that. Just a lot of laughs. Definitely having a good time with Paul. Yeah, like I said, great to see Paul. Peter and I have seen him now twice in the three years that we've done this. We saw him a couple years ago, and then he obviously came over this year. So fun that we got to spend a little time with Paul. I, uh, Paul, myself, and TJ were able to get together late last week for a little dinner with his family uh, out in uh, Wesley Chapel. So we had a little dinner, and we had a little crumble cookie, which I've never heard of crumble cookie, but apparently that's all the rage, the crumble cookie store where they make all these big, giant cookies. And uh, so we had a, we had a fun time with Paul. So kudos to Paul for coming over. I'm glad he had a great time, and, uh, gl- and most importantly, glad he made it back safely. Absolutely. All right, Peter Blake, give me a couple thoughts on the game Sunday. Watching the game again, another slow start for the Buck offense. Got down ten nothing. Your thoughts? I mean, a lot of the things we talked about on this podcast over and over again. You know, could the defense step up? No, defense couldn't step up. Although there were moments where they kept the Bucks' offense in the game. Could the Bucks' offense get off to a fast start? No, they could not. Uh, they wait until the fourth quarter until they have some urgency. Could they get some type of running game going? No, but when they get wide out in space, he basically uh, he breaks the guys, uh, messes up the ACL. Blew his knee out. Yeah, blew his knee out. With, so uh, there's so many things that you could sit here and say, what if they did this? What if they did that? What if the defense stopped them there? I mean, we knew coming into the game how much of a tough challenge it was going to be with McCaffrey and Debo Samuel uh, and, of course, uh, Brandon Ayuk. 
And we also said that uh, if you didn't get pressure on Brock Purdy, that eventually uh, he was going to pick you apart. And uh, sure enough, the perfect rating, uh, and that hasn't happened since 1989, Joe Montana. Congratulations to the Bucks defense on that. And, and, to, and to be fair, the Bucks, you know, they got off to a slow start, but they were still in the game. Down 10-0 second quarter. They put a nice drive together, hit hit caught Otten up the scene for a big big play. They get the ball in the end zone to Mike Evans, get to 14 to, to 10 to 7. They hold them to a field goal late in the half. So it's 13 to 7 at the half. You're in the game here. You're, 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 you know, you're not. You're not playing great. You're not playing terrible. You're in the game. You're you're ver- you're playing a team that's better than you. We get it. But the Bucks are still in the game, thirteen to seven at the half. And and I think the most critical thing is we talked about it also is you had to play a, a perfect game versus the 49ers. And you look back at that first half. You're driving. Baker tries to do too much instead of trying to throw the ball away. He fumbles the ball. That takes points off the board. And in the second half. You could say the same thing. How many times were the Bucks in that red zone and they get absolutely nothing? In fact, a 17-play drive in that second half, nothing. So that was the story of the game, and you just can't play like that. You may be able to get away with that stuff, you know, versus uh, Titans team, even and so much so with the Atlanta Falcon team, although you lose that game, but... Not against the San Francisco 49ers. They're an upper echelon team. You have to nearly play a perfect game, and that still doesn't guarantee you a win. I won't kill Baker Mayfield on the fumble. He was trying to get down. The guy made a nice play. I mean, Baker was protecting the ball pretty good. I'm not going to kill Baker for that fumble because he does. He does. He is. He is pretty good at extending plays and getting out of some trouble where Tom Brady and others in the past that would have been a no chance. So, again, I'm not going to kill – it's not like he was trying to stretch the ball out and get an extra yard. He was trying to protect the ball, give the guy credit. The guy the guy made a good punch out. I'm, I, so I'm not going to kill Baker for the fumble. I just feel like you could have made a better play. You live the fight another day. You throw the ball out of bounds. Uh, you know, you, you don't try to – maybe just go down on the ground at the end of it. He was trying to go down. I mean, to be fair, he was going down when the guy punched out. And, not, and again, not like he was extending the ball. I mean, he had the ball, I thought, pretty tucked away, and the guy just made a – Guy made a professional play. When you're a linebacker, that's what they teach you how to do. Agree. It's still it's costly turnover. That's what it comes down to, and it, you got you get no points out of it. So. All right. So we get to the second half. It's thirteen to seven. You feel good about yourself. You get the ball. You don't. You don't. You don't do anything with the ball. First. First. You, your guy, the punt god, pin, pins them deep at the two yard line with a great punt out of bounds. So then we then we get back to the, the guy you like to to to. to you know, call that, and and he deserved a little bit of it Sunday. Devin White, he got exp- he got isolated on George Kittle for a twenty yard catch. He got isolated on the on the McCaffrey first touchdown of the game on the little on the little misdirection across the formation throw to McCaffrey. That you can tell they really went after Devin White and Kittle got twenty yards, which got him out to the twenty five yard line. And then the next play, they go over the top to Jamel Dean, who then gets injured on the play. A bad read on the ball, not a good play. Ayuk goes 75 yards for a touchdown. I mean, shocking development there. <laughs> Devin White, the announcer was calling him Devin Smith. Uh, he should have called him Devin Smith because Devin White hasn't showed up this year. He has not. He doesn't deserve a contract extension. If this guy thinks he's going to get 18 to $20 million, he's sadly mistaken. He's in for a rude awakening. The tape doesn't lie. You know, I said this on my show. Men lie, women lie. It's a hip-hop reference. But tape doesn't lie and the tape is ugly 
And speaking of ugly, how about Jamel Dean's play this year? After getting that contract extension, he's been nowhere near the player he was the last couple years. It's been disappointing, and it's been a combination of both of those players. I mean, they're supposed to be uh, your leaders. They're supposed to be your playmakers, uh, and they're not doing it right now. They're not getting it done. They haven't gotten it done. That's been probably the most consistent thing that's uh, mind-numbing is both of those players have been consistently awful. And, and the, to me, the part, I mean, if we go back to our season preview, you and I both agreed a, thought, a strength of the team we thought was going to be the secondary, and it's turned out to not be a strength at all. As Carlton Davis has not played well. Jamel Dean's not played well. Ryan Neal has been has lost his job, basically. The only Pro Bowl, the only high-quality player back there has been Winfield. He's going to the Pro Bowl, I, I'm pretty sh certain. But the corners have not played well, and you've invested a lot of money in those corners, and that's that – that can that 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 can be problematic moving forward. Then on top of it, uh, Carlton Davis gets hurt in this game. Shaking, right. uh, hurts his hip. Jamal Dean hurts himself. So who Levante David hurts his groin late in the game. Uh, I, I, I would I would venture to say that maybe as crazy as this sounds, the defense actually may be better without both of those players in the secondary. I, I just don't know why. Like I don't think they're giving the maximum effort. Well, I, I just don't know. Zion McCollum, Zion McCollum has done nothing this year either. He's been a disaster back there. So, uh, unfortunately, he's the next guy in line. Uh, how much do you want him? How many How many snaps do you want him playing, really? Well, I mean, you're going to get an opportunity to see what he's got, and then you can make your future decisions. But at this point, you look in the offseason, you're already looking to the offseason, even though you're four and six. One of these players shouldn't be on this team if not both. And I get it. They have contract implications, but the way they played, and maybe you look to the draft. Everybody's like, quarterback, 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 interior line, interior line, edge rusher. How about a cornerback? Go and get a cornerback, possibly, uh, because it hasn't necessarily worked out with both of these guys. And I'm shocked by it. Yeah. Going into the year, I thought this was going to be a strength of the team, and it's been a complete weakness. And, you know, talking about a weakness – Really, I mean, it, it's been worse than it was last year. I mean, we saw the coverage, uh, you know, the, the mishaps, the, the communication breakdowns, the coverage bust. You're pretty much used to that. and You thought they would get it, you know, taken care of this year. It's the same old thing, Jason, the same old thing. And I don't know if it's players. I don't know if it's coaching. I think a lot of it falls on coaching. If you got a coach – who is his emphasis is being a defensive minded guy and he's not getting it done. And all the excuses can be thrown out there. The offense hasn't done their job. Okay. They haven't scored enough points. They left the defense on the field, but eventually guys got to step up. Okay. And if you have pride and you're about the super bowl and you want a super bowl and you're about being grave diggers, as I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you're digging yourself a grave and you're digging Todd Bowles a grave. If you continue to play the way you're playing. And one thing that nobody can ever measure until they until it happens, how much how much motivation do you have once you get paid? Yeah. Jamel Dean got paid, Carlton Davis got paid. How much of that drive and that hunger do you lose, or or is it become? I would say mediocrity is not a good word, but you know what I'm saying. How much of the extra little things are you doing practice wise, film study in the off season when you know you've gotten paid, as opposed to that hunger of trying to get paid. And you won a Super Bowl, so you, you have nothing to prove anymore. You've done everything you've done. You cashed your check. But that's not what it's about. And, you know, it, everybody wants to say you'll get to the top. Well, it's about also maintaining 
you know, that you know, that position at the top. And, they, and these both of these players have not done well, whether it's injury, whether it's inconsistency, whether it's – I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. And I honestly thought both of these corners were very talented. And they just look mediocre to average. I mean, not even average. You would you would take a Jamel Dean at average. You would take a Carlton Davis at average. They're not even average. But not not at 17, 18, not at $15 million a year. That's no. the thing. No, and then you're blowing big plays. And once again, you go wide open guys. You're playing zone. You're you're playing 3-4. Uh, you're playing man-to-man. You know, you can play 4-6 if you want to. Play Tampa 2 if you want to. Play cover 2 if you want to. Play the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, uh, still curtain defense. You're still not getting it done. It doesn't matter what you play. It's not getting done. You know, that's not the defense that you want. I get it. You got the 49ers, but you still have to stop those big plays from happening. You have to make tackles. You're not doing that consistently. And you're blowing big coverages all the time. And we continue to hear the same thing over and over again from this coaching staff, how it's going to be corrected, how it's going to change. It hasn't changed. So eventually, yeah, you're going to be in this divisional hunt. You're going to have an opportunity to win this division because it's one of the worst. You've got uh, you know some awful teams. Uh, but then you kind of say, okay, what if you win a division and you get to the playoffs, do you have an opportunity to at least win a one one game playoff at that point? And I would say if you're playing like you're, this. You're no, playing either Dallas or Philadelphia is who you're playing in the wild card. Do you, do you think with this type of effort you're going to beat those teams? Absolutely not. You're probably going to get your doors blown out. All right, let's get to a couple bright spots. Two, two spots, one on offense, one on defense. Yaya Diaby is starting to come. Two sacks on Sunday. You can really see the athleticism and the physicality. He's got a motor. So I think that give Jason Light credit. I think this is a guy that's getting more and more. You're going to keep seeing him play more and more, probably at the expense of JTS and Anthony Nelson and those guys. But give Diaby credit. He is really coming on and Vita Vea. He continues to be a bull in the middle of that line of scrimmage. But those two guys, to me, were bright spots on Sunday. For the people that are saying you want to see Kyle Trask and what he's got because Baker Mayfield necessarily hasn't performed up to your standard, how about doing the same thing with JTS? You know, kind of turning the page. What do you got with Yaya Diaby? Because right now, that kid's performing. That kid needs to start. He, yeah, and he, I think you'll see that. I think he's played more and more the last two weeks. I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he's starting on Sunday in Indianapolis at the at the defensive end spot. Why not? I mean, James outside could, linebacker. He could be a, a rotational player if you want. I know you didn't draft him that way, but he hasn't performed up to snuff. You know, I get it. Love Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett isn't the same player. Doesn't he's not. Him. Nope. So why not see more of Marquise Watts? I mean, you got to – again, we go back to this and we continue to talk about players not performing, and this comes back to coaching and being accountable. The coach has to be accountable. If these players are not getting it done – then get players in there that are going to get it done. Yeah, and I and I think you're seeing I think you're seeing a little bit of that. Marquise Watts is getting some more reps. Diaby for sure is is earning more reps. I think you're going to see those guys. You're not. I don't think you're you're not going to bench Shaq Barrett. He's still been semi productive. He's got four or five sacks on the year. But again, you're going to see more rotational things with Watts and with Diaby. Obviously, and I think you're probably going to see less of Shoinka unless Shoinka starts to show it, and he hasn't. Proven he can do it consistently, but I think you're definitely going to see more and more. The other point I want, the only other part of this uh, bright spot that I think is worthy of talking about, I thought the offensive line did a great job at pass protection. I think that against an elite 
front four, I thought the offensive line did really well in the pass protection in that game Sunday. I agree. I completely agree because I thought they would get more pressure on uh, on Baker Mayfield, and they didn't. I thought the tackles held their own until, you know, the final drive there where Chase Young finally gets a sack on uh, Tristan Worfs, who gave up his first of the year. But he had been, remember, Worfs had been injured a couple plays before that, so you know he was hobbling a little bit. So, I, I you know, again, he gave up the sack, and I get it, but – Again, if, if Worfs is healthy, that, that's probably not happening. But I've been really impressed with Gedeke at right tackle and pass protection. For the most part, he's done an above-average job pass protection at right tackle. I completely agree, and he's at his natural position. So maybe the Bucks find a tackle. So there's some bright spots with this team. I mean, you talk about the tackles and yep. tear the line and give up a lot of pressure. Still, once again, you're looking for – you know, more consistent running game there, more consistent holes. But, you know, anytime one of these running backs gets a big-time run, if it's white, you pick up a penalty also. I mean, it's just it, – it, I don't know what you I don't know what you do. I, they, I thought that Dave Canales also in this first half was very creative. Yeah. Had more points on the board. Again, goes back to the turnover, goes back to execution, making those – To me, that – to me, that I, – I wonder – does it, is, are these a couple spots that Baker struggles? Is red zone offense yeah. inside the 20 yard line? Because he's done a decent job moving the ball between the 20s, but he's really struggled in the pocket inside the 20. Part of that, I think, is his height, his inability to see well in the tighter in the tighter windows in the in the, in the red zone. I think that's a part of it. Um, so, I th- and their inability to run the ball inside the 22. To me, that's where the really good teams are effective is when they can run the ball. Again, you don't have to run it down their throat, but you got to be able to run it for three or four yards inside the 20 yard line. Well, it comes down to this because I was, you know, debating this with my co host, Harry the Greek, a uh, professional handicapper extraordinaire of the sports web. He, he says, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Okay, that's fine. But if you're not going to be successful with that, you're going to get yourself into some bad third down situations. And then, furthermore, when you get down 20 to 7 or 27 to 7 at that point, then you become one dimensional. You're not. Yeah. You have to throw it. Yeah, you got to throw it. You have to throw it. So, I mean, that's that's the quandary right now. You know, you stick with the game plan, and and you already know you're going to get about two or three yards. And I get it. White needs he needs space, but that offensive line isn't providing that space for him. They're not doing it. So that's the tough thing about this offense. And then you go back to Baker. You know, you look at the numbers. I get it. You only had you had two turnovers, the one fumble, and the interception there. Could have had a lot more interceptions. He was very and made some throws that were uncharacteristic of him, just throwing it into the defender's hands there, and that's the reason why they play defense in the first place. But there were multiple times there there could have been interceptions. Yeah. Very fortunate to get away with it. I think Baker's played his heart out. I think you're right. You start to see some of the things that are hampering him or have hampered him in his career with reading a defense, going through his progressions, locking on one guy. You look back at the tape. The tape, again, does not lie where there's wide-open guys like Mike Evans. You forgot about Chris Godwin. You don't get Mike Evans involved into the second half. You don't get Chris Godwin involved into the second half. That's playmaking. Or that's a quarterback that's locking on to his first read, going for that first read, and you're missing big plays down the field. And I can tell you right now, if you go to the All-22 tape, you'd be very surprised, Jason Powers, how many plays you're missing with Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. They're there, but Baker's not hitting it. All right, so let's wrap up this game. Let's talk about the fourth quarter. The Bucks down 27-7. Get down the field quickly in the fourth quarter, go 75 yards. They score. They had a pass interference call, a nice seam route to Jarrett. 
Um, they score to get to 27-14. They hold them on defense. Then they go back down the field, another long drive, 17 plays. Give them credit. They did a nice job getting them, getting it moving, not able to convert. Fourth down, they throw an incompletion in the end zone to Evans. They get stopped there. They hold them again. Again, give the Bucks defense credit. They did a great job getting, getting them, pinning them deep. Then Devin Tompkins with the nice long punt return. Nice 51-yard, I think it was 51-yard punt return. Good job there by the special teams and, and Devin Tompkins. And maybe the play of the game, which could have really made the last four minutes interesting, paid out and drops the ball right in his hands that you got to catch. I mean, give Baker credit, perfect throw, good call, Dave Canales. You got to catch the ball, Kate Otten. It's, a, it's, a, it's about a 15-yard skinny post. You're in the end zone. Are you looking at the free safety coming at you? A little bit of alligator arms, but that's a ball in the NFL you have to catch. Well, I want to go back to it. You go to the, back to the fourth down. What's pass interference? I don't think that was interference, Peter. I, I'm just being honest with you. I, I, I normally – it's he didn't run up into him. He he barely grazed him. I, that, to me, that's not interference. Well, he's face guarding him first of all. So you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that if you don't make con- if you don't touch him. Not looking at him. I think he made contact before the ball gets there. I think they definitely have to call that. But you let that go. That's disappointing. You talk about Kate Otten. He drops a pass. Devin Tompkins. He also drops a pass. Uh, Tompkins was a hard catch. The one Otten dropped is a ball you have to catch in that league a hundred times out of a hundred. Right, but it goes back to the points of the missed opportunities. And you talk about the 17 right. play drive, you get no points. Right. That's just that's just a killer. And 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 and, and to the Bucks to offense's credit, they weren't in, they were not in a position to kick a field goal there. You had to score a touchdown. So right. it's not like you could have kicked a field goal there. You couldn't do that. You had to you had to go for it on fourth down. And that's what and obviously on the Evans throw, you, you couldn't kick a field goal there with only seven or eight minutes left in the game. But again, if Otten catches that ball. It's 27-21 with four minutes to go. The Bucs have all the momentum. They've got their timeouts. They've been playing defense pretty well in the second half, in the fourth quarter especially. It's a game. So that's that's where it's disappointing is that you can't get within that one possession to really put the pressure back on the Brock Purdy and the 49ers. And look, I didn't think the Bucs were going to win this game. I put my no. out there. You know, I said 31-10, to 10, but they had every opportunity to win this game. And I think the encouraging thing, if you want to take something out of this positive, because there were some positives in this yes. game, is that the offense was able to go up and down the field on yes. the Niners besides punching it in. So that's one of the top defenses in the National Football. Yes. You know, there's lots of potential there with that Bucks offense. Can they put it together? And why, once again, does it take so long for them to put it together in the fourth quarter? You would like to see more urgency in the third quarter come out. You're exactly right. That first drive is disappointing because you get – you get the ball back, and you expect to have a long drive or put some points on the board. You get nothing. You give the ball right back to the 49ers. They go down and get that big play. That is huge at the end of it. But you're exactly right. You you got to cash in on those opportunities, especially with Kate Otten. It's amazing how some teams, and again, there's m- massive examples all over the league, how some teams really struggle coming out of the half into the third quarter as far as that first offensive possession and how other teams do really well, how other teams do really well in the first drive of a game versus other teams come out slow. Those those are the things that separate the good teams from the really good teams is your ability to start fast and come out of the locker room and start fast. I mean, what, I don't know if it's, who knows what the what the what the mindset is and what the you know the rest patterns and all that stuff how how that works with every team but it's amazing to see the good teams tend to always come out of the halves 
coming out well, whether it's offense or defense, and then they start games fast typically. I threw this question out there as a poll question on my Facebook page. Who is more responsible on but what side of the ball is more responsible for the four and six start by the Bucks? Is it the offense or is it the defense? Why or why not? I would say, I mean, I hate to say this, but I mean, the first four games, the defense played really well. It, it was an offensive problem. The middle four games, the offense was coming on a little bit and weren't scoring big, huge points, but they were more, more consistent and it was more of a defensive problem. So I think both sides of the ball take their fair share of the blame. Remember, it's a new offense. So again, I get it. There's going to be growing pains in this first, in year one with this. The defensive, to me, the de you would think the defense would have been more consistent because of the veteran players, same system. It hasn't been for whatever reason. Again, you, you, we can all make our judgments of what we think it is. But to me, the 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 lack of discipline and the consistency on the defense has been a little bit more alarming to me than the offense. I think so, too. And I feel like if you had those defensive efforts, just think about it. If you have your defense and they're able to get off the field against the Falcons, people will say, well, they should have scored more points. Well, remember, Baker led that offense down for the the uh, the, the field goal there. You got to get off the field, and you're not able to get off the field. Just imagine if you could close that out. The Houston game, you score 37 points, you still lose. I mean, those two games right now, those are the two games that possibly puts you in control of the NFC South where you're not fighting back or puts you in a yep. better situation, and that's on your defense. And to get it, you know, the offense, they have their problems. We knew that it was going to be somewhat of a struggle, right? Because you got Dave Canales, the first-year play caller. You got a new quarterback at the helm, new offense, everything like that. Everything is going to change. So you thought that yep. you depend on a veteran-laden defense who, by the way, one of their defensive playmakers said throughout the whole offseason, it wasn't Tom Brady, we're going to wreck this, we're going to wreck that, we're going to cause turnovers, and it's been a complete and total step back from last year. All right, so the Bucks fall 27-14 to the 49ers, go to 4-6, and six, third place in the NFC South. But again, you look at the schedule, you got four division games in front of you, you still got everything in front of you. Nobody thought the Bucs were going to go win that game in San Francisco. Most people thought. But I was impressed with the fight. The competitiveness, at the, especially in the, at the, in the fourth quarter, was good. They played a lot, a lot of younger guys because due to injury. So uh, we will see what the injury situation, especially on defense, is going to be going into Indianapolis this weekend. But I, but again, I was encouraged by how they how they finished that game with the effort uh, and all that stuff. All right, before we get to Paul Stewart, I'm sorry. Before we get to the Indianapolis uh, preview, we're going to go to Paul Stewart with his montage of the Bucks and Colts through the years, from Eric Dickerson to Marshall Falk to Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy, and such. So enjoy the montage with Paul Stewart from BuckPower.com, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes giving you a preview of the Bucks and Colts on Sunday. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market for a new home? Are you looking to get into a, a single-family residence, condo, townhouse, duplex, whatever it is? If you need financing help to get pre-approved, which you need to do, reach out to Titan Home Lending and Jason Powers. We'll get you approved in less than 24 hours. We'll get you qualified, figure out what you can afford, and we will get you to, in a position to be able to make that offer. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending. 
We can help you with an FHA loan, a VA loan if you're a veteran, a conventional loan, a bank statement loan. We can help you with a investment property, a second home. Whatever their financing needs are, reach out to me, Titan Home Lending and Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. As we roll into the holiday season of November and December, and you are looking to either buy a gift or potentially go in person to see your favorite NFL game, college football, Major League Baseball, the World Series is wrapping up, NHL season is just underway, and now the NBA. Ticketsmarter.com is your place to go for tickets on the secondary market. Whether it's the app, the Ticketsmarter.com app, it is the ideal place to buy tickets on the secondary market. And I've got a special code for you to save you some money. Powers10 is the code. Use Powers10 if you want to save 10 bucks on a purchase of $100 or more, or you can use the code Powers20 and save $20 on a $300 purchase. Again, you can use this code as many times as you like all over the country, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, the college football season wrapping up, bowl games, college football playoff, whatever it is, Ticketsmarter.com and the Ticketsmarter app is the place to go. The Bucks are seven and eight all time against the Colts. The first two having taken place when the franchise was still located in Baltimore, and the Bucks have won the last two meetings, scoring thirty-eight points in each of them, which is a nice omen going into next week's game in Lucas Oil Stadium. The Bucks scored their first touchdown in Baltimore at the fourth time of asking. The Colts were desperately clinging to a forty-two-three lead when Danny Reese returned the fumble forty-four yards for the historic score. And Charlie Davis added the first offensive touchdown soon after, after a great trick pass from Lee McGriff to Barry Smith. The second game of the 1979 season saw the Bucks go into the old Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. They fell behind 17-0 in the first quarter before a dramatic fight back led to a magnificent overtime victory. The defence had 10 sacks, the last one by Randy Crowder forcing a key fumble which gave Neil O'Donoghue a chance to win it and send the Bucks to 2-0 for the first time in their franchise history. Greg Andrew. and his iron is hit, ball is down, Scamble is on, Tampa Bay recovers the loose ball at the 14-yard line. It would be another 12 years until the Bucks beat the Colts, although the road game in 1988 did see Vinny Testaverde rack up 469 yards passing in a losing effort. This remains the second highest in franchise history. Testaverde's third play of the drive, and it's a touchdown. Touchdown to Bruce Hill. Now, Michael Houston had a very emotional game-winning field goal in the 1997 game. Trent Dilfer led the Bucks on two late-scoring drives, which gave the friends of this podcast a chance for the game-winning kick. For the lead, a high snap put down. It is up, and it is good, and the Buccaneers lead it. 31-28 with eight seconds to play. Tony Dungy returned to Tampa in 2003 for one of those dramatic Monday night games ever played. 
Now, yes, we are going to show that awful leaping call against Simeon Rice in overtime that ultimately led to the Bucks losing. But I'm still concerned to this day that they gave up 21 points in the final four and a half minutes to actually send the game to overtime in the first place. 40-yard attempt for Vanderjet. Hunter Smith to hold it. And it is no good! A flag is down, though. There's a flag down. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Number 97, defense. Oh, Leaping. man! Leaping! Simeon Rice leaping. Now, the Bucks did win a 2011 return Monday night game with LeGarrette Blunt having a huge game. But that performance pales into insignificance when you look at Leonard Fournette's four touchdowns in a single game in the 2021 encounter in Indianapolis. Quick trivia quiz, who was the first Buccaneer player to score four touchdowns in a game? Aaron Leftwich. This has got to have it play. Jumbo formation, they were running in a big hole. Who needs a field goal? Fournette goes for the end zone and he's in! Touchdown, Tampa Bay! His fourth of the day! The answer, of course, was Jimmy Giles in the 1985 road game in Miami. So the Bucks of 7-8 and eight have a chance to even their record against the Colts this week, a chance of their own Indy 500. And win or lose, you'll be able to read all about it on buckpower.com. Every player, every game, everything Bucks. All right, Buck fans, we're back. Hopefully you enjoyed Paul's montage. Again, Paul does a great job for us every week uh, with, the, with the preview montage, historical montage, audio. Remember, Bucks, all your video, audio, statistical information you need, buckpower.com is your place to go. The unofficial his historical site of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This guy's been doing it from day one, has every stat, every player, every game from all the way back to 1976, Peter Blake. Amazing, all the knowledge that he has there. Go to buckpower.com. Every player, every year, every statistic, every stat, it's amazing. All right, let's look ahead. Indianapolis Colts, five and five. The Bucks travel up to up to Lucas Oil Field Sunday, one o'clock. You got uh, no Anthony Richardson. You got uh, Gardner Minshew at the helm. A very surprising move out of the Colts on uh, Wednesday, on Tuesday. They release their All Pro, former All Pro linebacker. Darius Leonard, Shaq Leonard, absolute straight cut him from the roster. He'd had some injury issues, had been complaining a little bit about his playing time. His playing time had been reduced in recent weeks. A very, very interesting development coming out of Indianapolis. He's now potentially can be claimed by another team. He's got multiple years left on a contract with some decent-sized payouts. You'll see him on a contender come Thursday, Peter Black. I don't know if his contract gets claimed, but if he goes through waivers and becomes a free agent, you'll see a, a playoff contender, i.e. the Buffalo Bills who need a linebacker. You will see one of these big playoff teams. If he doesn't, if he goes unclaimed, he'll be on a playoff contender by Thursday or Friday morning. Yeah, it's kind of baffling because you would think that if you believe that he's basically done because of the lower back injury, because that's the reason why he hasn't necessarily been the same linebacker the last couple of years because of that lower back injury. Why wouldn't you trade him at the trading deadline and at least get something for him instead of just release him? And I can't see anybody claiming him and claiming well, I don't, him. That, that's to your point, Peter. Like, I don't think anybody was going to absorb that contract. Right. That's why he was probably not trade tradable. It's because of that contract and his injury history. With back injuries and linebackers aren't a good mixture. No, definitely not. Six and a half million this year, and then I think it jumps to like fourteen or something yeah. along those lines. But you remember 
one of the top linebackers in the league. What? Uh, a couple of years ago, 2020, 2021. Wow. I mean, this and he's a young guy too. He's only like 27, probably. I mean, he's still, you know, he's a guy that if, if he's fully healthy, he can be a productive player in a fort. And he's a, you know, he's a good player. And you, again, I think you'll see him place like Buffalo who really needs a linebacker, a place like maybe, I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think out loud here. A couple, couple teams in Philadelphia. Maybe Philadelphia. I mean, they, they've always been, yeah, I mean, place like maybe even in New Orleans, somebody like that that needs some defensive help. So you're maybe Kansas, a place like Kansas City, you know, you're going to see Shaq Barrett, I mean, Shaq uh, Leonard on a contender here real soon if he clears waivers. So, uh, well, they need wide receivers there. I don't think Leonard can catch. They need somebody. Right. Yeah, our, our guy Justin Watson with the butterfingers over on Monday night. Oh, now yeah. you know why Tom Brady said, get him the hell out of here. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of Bucks fans that were crying when he won a Super Bowl. Why did you get rid of him? That's the reason why he got rid of him, because even though he may be like a deep threat or one of uh, Patrick Mahomes' favorite targets, uh, you got to catch that ball to convert that first down. You catch that ball, you can well, put that first down. Worse than that was our guy, the former USF Bull, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, with the brutalest, most brutal drop you can have. And now you know why – his career has been so up and down because his inability to catch the easy button has always been a problem. He's a fast guy can run, but you can't, you got to be able to catch the, the balls, the easy balls, man. And that, that was one you have to catch wide stinking open and you beat the Eagles on Monday night football and you can't do it. You can't get it done. It's probably Taylor right. wasn't there. That's why. Give me a couple keys to this game. Peter Blake to me, the running game, you got to be able to stop Jonathan Taylor. You're going to get a heavy dose of Taylor and Zach Moss. Their, their weapons on the outside are not very are not very uh, formidable. Pittman's okay, Josh Downs is okay. You got to Gardner Minshew's got a propensity to throw to the other team. You gotta you gotta stop that running game and put the ball in Gardner Minshew's hands. I agree with you. You got to put the onus on Gardner Minshew, and on top of it, you got to get pressure on him because if you can get that pressure, Yaya Diaby, Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea. Uh, maybe even a Devin White. Maybe you blitz him because, again, he can't play coverage. You get that pressure on him, and he'll definitely give you some turnovers in that game. And, of course, I think it's really simplistic. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, if Levante David doesn't play in this game, uh, that's that's a brutal loss because that's your best linebacker on this team. I you'll, see, you'll see more Shavatia Dennis. Yep. That'll be the guy you'll probably see next in line for Levante. That's who you saw Sunday in San Francisco when Levante went out. So, Diaby and Dennis are guys we thought had a chance to contribute. Now they're going to get their opportunity most likely. Yep. And again, it goes back to, you know, how great Taylor is as a running back. I mean, he just scares the hell out of you. And then if you get that going, you know, how many deep plays? Because you talk about Mike Pittman Jr. And you got weapons on this team. They're okay. They're average at best. They're not great. They're average. But we said the same thing about Houston and, and Tank Dale and C.J. Stroud. They were average at best, and yet you had nearly 470 yards put on you. So I don't know what defense shows up. And if you're without Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean, that that could be a problem. That's the one that even for that even uh, fortifies the need that you have to stop the running game because the Bucks are not going to be able to play a lot of man-to-man coverages if you got two young corners in the game. They're going to have to play more zone. You're going to play more under. And, again, Gardner Minshew's not afraid to throw it to the other team. So you have to catch the ball when he throws it to you. That's a key in this game defensively. 
He's going to throw you one or two balls. He's not the tallest guy in the world. There's going to be probably be a couple deflections. You got to make him pay when he throws the ball into coverage. Agree. Offensively, again, Colts do not have an electric defense. They're decent. They're good. They're not great. This could be a running game. This could be a, a, a Rashad White game. You got to throw the ball to Evans and Godwin earlier in the game. Get them more involved. Again, not a lot of great pieces on defense in Indianapolis. Get the lead. Put the pressure on the Colts, like like in that New Orleans game. Get the lead. Don't be down 10 nothing, 14 to 3, that kind of stuff. You put the pressure on the Colts in their building to get the lead. Come out with urgency. Hurry up offense. We've still not seen a hurry up offense. Oh, I want to see tempo. I want to <clears> see creative things out of Dave Canales in this offense, which you saw some of that. And then basically the second half, they kind of went back to some of the same old stuff, running the ball up the middle for two yards and a cloud of dust. So I want to see more uh, creative plays here, more uh, trying to get wide out in, in space, get Evans and get Godwin involved early. Why do we sit here and talk about Evans only having one catch in the first half versus the 49ers and Godwin having none? These are the reasons why you have to get your offense going, and you have to do that with your playmakers. Your playmakers have to get involved on Sunday versus the Colts. Yep, and give Trey Palmer credit. He's starting to play better and better as that number three receiver. I like what we see out of him. Again, more tempo creates more plays. More plays create more opportunities for your wide receivers. That's, to me, why you got to up-tempo it a little bit is to just get more plays. You get, I mean, the Bucs have done a pretty good job of not going three and out a whole lot. They've been able to get a first down or two, but it's more get more plays. Let's don't burn 40 seconds every play. Yeah. Get in and out of the huddle. Let's go a little bit. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, I agree. All right. All right. Yeah, well, hold on. We're almost there. Interesting. Last caveat that's, that's a little bit of a curveball this week is Thanksgiving week. You got a little Thanksgiving holiday, a shorter day on Thursday. Peter Blake, what's on the menu at the Peter Blake household for, for Thanksgiving? Uh, well, I'm not going to be in the kitchen because I can't air fry a uh, turkey. So we're probably going to eat out. Uh, we're definitely going to have plenty of gravy on potatoes and yams and stuff like that. It's going to be fun. Is that you and mom and, and the sister? Uh, that's probably me, mom, and the sister. Yes. Mom mostly cooking or us going out somewhere, getting food somewhere. To that a boy. Yeah. I'm spending the, I was spending Thursday at my dad's house. We rotate between my mom and dad's every year and it's dad's year this year. So we'll be, uh, one thing I was trying to find, I couldn't find, I was trying to find a deep fried Cajun Turkey in Tampa. Very tough to find. I was, I, I did a lot of research, couldn't find it. We were trying to go a little alternative Turkey, a little deep fried Cajun Turkey, couldn't find it. So we will see what Miss Fran comes up with in the kitchen, uh, at the powers household uh on thursday but I'll, yeah i'm with you i like the mashed potatoes and the gravy and a little bit of green bean casserole that kind of stuff watch a little football got a full you got the lions and packers you got cowboys redskins and then the third the, the the uh thursday night game i believe is what san fran and seattle i think it's san fran seattle out in seattle thanksgiving night friday the very next day you got the greatness of the uh jets starting uh susan boyle i mean tim boyle right. <laughs> With uh, the Miami Dolphins, which uh, should be an interesting contest with Zach Wilson finally uh, getting giving the heave-ho. Demoted to third string, not just the backup, third string. He's done. He's done. He's not good. Uh, I don't get it. I don't understand it. He's just not good. He's not a good quarterback. All right, Peter Blake. The good thing with the Bucks too, is Atlanta and New Orleans play each other this week. So one of those two teams will have six losses as well. So 
even more critical why this game, we talked about it. You got to win one of these two, either San Francisco or Indianapolis, and you got to either beat Green Bay or Jacksonville to have a chance, I think, because you got four division games left, two with Carolina, one with Atlanta, one with Orange. You got to go three and one of those four games, but you got to split with either. You got to win two out of these two out of these four non-divisional games left with San Francisco, Green Bay, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville. If you go two and two there and three and one in the division, you're going to the playoffs in my view. I agree, and I think it takes either eight or nine wins. Uh, I said ten at the beginning of the year, but I don't see how this team can get ten. They're going to no. They could lose a couple games here. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, give me a prediction. You first. I, but, but by the way, by the way, I had I had, I had a uh, scenario where my one point prediction could could have come true last week. My tw- I said 24-23, but that game had a chance to be 28-27 if Otten catches that ball and they're down 27-21. So I'm gonna go Bucks 24. I'm gonna go 27. 27-20 Tampa in Indianapolis on the road, get a W. The running game comes to life a little bit. Evans catches a touchdown. Godwin catches a touchdown. 27-20 Bucks. 27-24 Tampa Bay over the Colts. There you go. All right, Buck fans, appreciate you finding us. Remember, reach out. Let it, let it Tell all your Buck friends about the podcast. Forward it. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at JPO Sports. Peter, give a quick update on where they can find all your great stuff. J.P. Peterson Show on Wednesdays and, of course, the Sports Web. Uh, like and follow on YouTube and friend me on Facebook at Peter H. Blake. There you go. Powers on Sports Podcast. This week I'm talking to the play-by-play boys of the Florida State Seminoles, talking about the big game with Florida on Saturday, this college football rankings that have just come out, uh, the quarterback injury at Florida State with Jordan Travis. So check out my my interview with Jeff Colhane, the play-by-play voice of the Knowles uh, on the Powers on Sports podcast and Florida Football Insiders podcast. Check out the Bucks coverage on 98 Rock if you're in the Tampa area with Gene, uh, TJ, and Dave Moore from Indianapolis or the Bucks app. Paul Stewart, thank you, Paul Stewart. Glad you made it back. BuckPower.com is your place to go for all the information. Appreciate your funness on No Quarter Given Podcast. And can we have a can we start the holiday season off with a victory, Peter Blake, please? Yeah, let's go. I hear you. 27-24, 27-20 is our scores. We'll see you next time, Buck fans, on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.